One day each of us will close our eyes for the final time. Our hearts will slowly cease to beat and our last breath will whisper through silent lips as we leave this existence behind. Yet is this truly the end? Do we simply cease to be as the last spark races from our brains along cooling neurons to its final destination in oblivion? Or does the part of us that is uniquely our own continue beyond the grave? Is there existence beyond the temporal? And if so, what mysteries might that existence hold? There are those who would have us believe that our lives end with our final tomorrow, that the physical world is both our beginning and ultimate end. There are also those who reject this explanation, instead contending that the physical world is simply one aspect of an existence which may stretch on through eternity. For now, we are left to wonder if the strange apparitions are a product of our feverish minds, or if ghosts do haunt the fringes of the material world. The ultimate truth may lie somewhere between, unknown to us until we each pass beyond that veil. And between our searching eyes and that veil lies a path that leads us to the Shadows of Legend. Hello, this is Charles Rummins, your host for Shadows of Legend. And today's guest doesn't really need any kind of introduction. A five-second internet search for Dave Schrader will give you a lot of background information of his wealth of experience in the paranormal field. So how are you doing today, Dave? Well, I'm doing well, but I will warn you that if you pull me up online, there is some confusing information out there because there is, I'm from Illinois originally, Mm -hmm. and there's another Dave Schrader from Illinois who's also a roguishly handsome bald guy. However, he's a harpsichordist (laughs) and I think he's 78 years old. Yes. And they seem to have taken my bio and his bio and shuffled them together. So sometimes you'll see my bio about being a ghost hunter up with his photograph or my photograph up with being the harpsichordist. So it can be confusing. And sometimes you see a mixture of both being a paranormal investigator and a world-renowned harpsichordist. I am only the paranormal <laughs> investigator, just as a fair warning. I I'm see. also not worth $22 million, as it claims online. Well, you know, I believe if you do a search of my name, Charles Romans, you come up with, you can come up with an architect in Columbus, I believe. And I'm I'm not an architect. And extended math is a bit beyond my reach. Math is not my favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, mine either. But uh, so you do have all of this experience and you're a well-respected person in, in the paranormal field. Uh, I won't say expert because numerous people have told me that uh, – you can't really be an expert at a field that is so difficult to prove. So what's your take on that? I, you know, here's I, I vacillate on that back and forth. This is what I tell people. I, I certainly could be billed as an expert on the paranormal because I've spent 17 years studying the paranormal. Yes. Doctors are experts at medicine because they study, but that's why it's called a practice. They never get it 100% right. They're always learning. Same with attorneys. Things are always changing, and we're always learning something new. It's real easy for some people to throw up the old, oh, there, there are no experts in this field. When you spend 17, 18 years talking to thousands of experiencers and yes. researchers, and you put yourself out in the field experiencing and researching and educating, and you're hired as a speaker to places all around the world to talk, it kind of puts you in that realm of experts. So I understand why TV shows want to bill you as the paranormal expert, because it makes sense with 
when they're putting a show on TV, why is this person talking to me? Not paranormal novice, right? It's, <laughs> of course so not. an expert is somebody who spends time researching and, and learning. So I get why they use it, and I'm not offended by anybody that gets called a paranormal expert. Well, you have credibility in the field because of that experience, and you have went through all the trial and error. It's not like talking to someone sure. on the street who may be an intelligent individual that says they saw a ghost. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, and, and the thing that, that's funny to me in these conversations, too, is the fact that, well, you're respected you know, in, in this field. I'm respected by the people that believe in the same things I believe. You know, this is a field in which there are many different belief systems, no one solid answer. So people that do not necessarily agree with my take on the paranormal or what hauntings may be or other aspects of the supernatural will, you know, they're, they're quick to dismiss in this field when it comes to not having the same concepts. I'm open to everybody's concept. I, you know, if, if I have a theory on why ghosts do this and you come to me and say, but Dave, what if it has to do with the fact that the milk you're drinking is raw, pasture, non-pasteurized milk? Maybe you're getting more genetic difference from the cow than the people that are burning it off in the pasteurization process. So maybe you're getting a better look and a feel and vibe to the paranormal because you're drinking and eating more raw foods and vegetables. Hey, that's an interesting concept, one I've never considered before. So I always like to stay open to new concepts and ideas and, and try to figure out ways to test those belief systems. Well, I think a lot of times what happens, and, and you can agree with me here or disagree, as you, you know, see, but uh, I think a lot of times once you're in something so long, you get set in a pattern. So if you don't remind yourself to be open-minded, then you're actually on that one track and you may miss other tracks that are equally as viable. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, and, and in this field, there are so many different belief systems, so many different things. You know, I, I had an interesting exchange recently. Okay, I was at a conference in... New Jersey. And a woman asked me, how do I, you know, how do I get rid of this Ouija board? I think it has something negative attached to it and I want to get rid of it. And I said, well, you could box it up and ship it to me. And the person she was with is of native American descent of indigenous peoples. And she turned around and snapped and her friend just kind of looked at me and shrugged and then said, well, I mean, getting rid of, of the Ouija board, will that get rid of the issue? And I said, well, if you feel it's attached to the Ouija board, and it's only when you're in the company of the Ouija board that it happens, I'll be happy to take it and, you know, along with your story and I, you know, send it off to John's office or I'll send it off to Cody and Satori at the, you know, the Paranormal Couples Museum. And they'll have a story to go with this reportedly haunted board. And this woman turned around and snapped again that, you know, no, the only way to get rid of this energy is by Native American tradition. And typical American to say something that's stupid and ignorant. And I said, well, she's not asking me to rid her of the entity. She's asking me to rid her of the board. I'm making myself available to her to get rid of the board. Yes. And, you know, but this woman was so concerned that her ways were not being heard that she wasn't hearing the actual complaint, if that makes sense. Well, I I think it does. And it it plays right into the whole getting on a certain track. It's like uh, if you're of a one faith as opposed to another, you might think that your faith has superior means of dealing with a paranormal entity as opposed to a different faith. 
and and they may have the same thought only in reverse. Right. And and here's the thing. I, I firmly believe that you can use different aspects of faith. I really love the element of the new Exorcist movie because they don't let it hinge on Catholicism being the answer. There were different denominations within Christianity. There was Native American tradition. There was voodoo tradition, I believe it was. There was four or five different experts that they brought in to try to deal with these girls that are possessed. And I love that they're looking across culture for answers, realizing that Christianity may not have the only answer. There are beings in the Bible, like the jinn, that they refer to as being predating man, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. That these are beings that have, that have some import and power that are there already. So for us to throw Christianity at something that doesn't adhere to Christianity or the rules involved in that dogma, it, it's not as effective. So I think it's interesting when we can look at these different designs, and I have nothing against the Native American tradition, and I've leaned heavily on different tribal groups and leaders for insight and help, sometimes bringing them something that I can't understand. And I've got a, a couple of really great people that are involved and higher up in their tribal decisions. And, and I, I'm sorry, the, the, the titles are, are kind of slipping my mind at this point, but that they're elders and such in their group. And they are very confident to give me some information. There are some things that they will not share with me, which is great uh, and fine. And I respect that. I step back. But when they have answers for me, they do give me answers. It's the shame that this is a field of a lot of theories. And yes. instead of people working together on theories to try to understand them, crystallize them, make sense of them, you know, it's really easy. People say, oh, it's all physics. Well, what about it is physics? How can we break it down and examine ghosts in the case of physics? Well, now we can look because there are famous scientists that have looked at these things and explained some of these elements of physics and the paranormal. So that gives us a starting point. And then if we believe that this may be what's causing that, let's start testing those elements. Where can we take this next? And that's, that's what's so cool about this. But we've got to stop button heads and we've got to stop treating each other poorly or like your team is beneath mine because you don't do it my way. Exactly. I can see glaring issues in some paranormal teams that I've tagged along with. And, and I'm often at the end, they ask, well, what do you think? And I'll sit them down and say, well, do you want, do you want me to glad hand you and say, thank you for having me? And, you know, it was cool to watch, which, you know, doesn't answer your question. Or do you really want me to give you answers? And the teams that are wise will say, well, we'd like some insight. And I say, okay, now understand this is simply my take on this. This is not, I'm not the end all be all by any means, but I think that you would get much better results doing A, B, and C. You know, as an example, going into an antebellum mansion that was taken over by the uh, Yankees during the Civil War as a stronghold for a while, and, you know, those, those uh, soldiers pushed the family out into maybe the slave quarters or something along those lines, going in and being demanding and being pushy and rude to the spirits may not garner the same response as if you went in and said, you know, Mr. Bloodsworth, thank you so much for allowing us into your home. I can understand why you would stay here. This, this house is beautiful, and I understand how tragic it must have felt and how powerless you must have felt to have been forced out of it for a time. 
I'm glad that you regained control of your home, but do you stay here because you're afraid to give up complete control still? And see, by showing respect and acknowledgement, I got really great EVP when we were doing that during the investigation. They were not. They walked into the house and it was like, okay, this is the ghost of Mr. Bloodsworth. Why are you here? <laughs> Why can't you move on? What? And they were getting no response. And they're like, I don't think this is haunted. The minute I showed kindness and respect, I started getting responses. So again, I've also tried kindness and respect and got nothing. So it, it just depends. But, you know, certainly I'm, I'm open to examining different elements of looking at these things. And Europeans have a different way of looking at the paranormal than Americans and Canadians have a different way of looking at the paranormal than the Europeans and the Americans. And cool, what can we learn from each other? What can we take and, and filter into our paranormal investigations in order to try to have the best experience, not just for us, but for those that we're trying to communicate with, with our ancestors, our elders, our spirits that have been perhaps left behind. See, I think it's a very solid and practical way of doing it. For one thing, there has to be a certain degree of respect. I know that uh, if I were a ghost in my home and someone came in and started being abusive, I wouldn't react any better as a ghost as I would as a physical living human being. And touching back on what you said before, you limit the information base to work from. You, you're blunting your tools if you don't take everything in consideration because... We have to understand that uh, there are cultures on this planet that have been around that predate Christianity, for instance, not to, to put too fine a point on it, but the first ghost story wasn't told yesterday. So these other cultures have been dealing with spirits and, and their issues for thousands of years. So if they have a way of doing it that's effective, why wouldn't you use it? Yeah, completely. So and another thing that I was wanting to ask you, you don't work alone necessarily. You usually work with a couple of other people. How hard is it to mesh? And I, I'd ask you this question actually before we started recording about whether or not that you had any psychic abilities. But I noticed that right. you've worked with mediums and you've worked with mm -hmm. you know scientists and everything else. So how hard is it to get all those, uh, well, we'll just say three together and make that cohesive? Well, again, I try not to come in with ego, so I try to make it as easy as possible to work. You know, working with Cindy, and I've been very open and honest about this, you know, I knew of her. She's a very popular, well-known, well-respected medium. Yes. I still have questions and doubts about the legitimacy towards some people's claims, you know, but I've seen some amazing mediums and I've worked with some amazing mediums, Chip Coffey and Michael and Marty Perry and Chris Fleming. And, you know, gosh, I mean, I, there are so many Cindy Keza, of course, Sarah Lemos. So there's, there's a lot of them. And I'm sorry. I know I'm forgetting a few off the top of my head, but I mean, I've, I've worked with some great ones, but when I first worked with Cindy on the Holzer files, here I had these files that I could read and we would go in and Cindy would tap into the atmosphere, into the home and start saying a bunch of things that I knew nothing of that seemed to have absolutely zero to do with the case that we were there to investigate. And she had a process, you know, it, I have the luxury of having a file and going in, knowing what I want to communicate with. Yeah. She goes in blind. She has no clue what's there, what the story is, what the history is. She's trying to stay blind to anything that might be in the home that might trigger misconceptions. Mm -hmm. So I give her a lot of credit, but as she, you know, I would turn to the uh, directors 
when she was saying all these things and I'm like, none of this resonates at all with anything to do with this case. They would kind of shake their heads and they're like, yeesh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And then I would take copious notes and uh, I would sit down maybe later that day or that night or the next day with a historian or people that lived in the house. And I, I would ask four or five of the basic questions that we need to have for the show, but then I would push and I would say, you know, Cindy brought up X, Y, Z. Does this make any sense to this case? And we were blown away. They'd be like completely shocked. They'd be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. But yes, my grandfather was a colonel in the Civil War, and he did, in nervousness, click his heels constantly in the house. You know, I'm just throwing something random up, but yes. she would pick up on these elements that I, again, had no clue, no way of knowing. But then there would be some things that the family would say, no, that doesn't make any sense. But I talked to the historian and they'd go, well, Dave, let me tell you, you know, before Abraham Lincoln or after Abraham Lincoln lived in that home, it was a house, you know, people lived in and out of that house for another hundred years before it became a museum that is Abraham Lincoln. So there's a lot of people in stories. And it's funny because the third family that moved in after Abraham Lincoln were circus folk and they did have giraffes and they did have llamas <laughs> on the property. And you're, you know, and that would have been something Cindy brought up. So she has to sift through this entire volume of the encyclopedia of this location in knowledge and get to the points that are relevant to the case we're studying. But that means some of it's going to seep through. There's going to be other elements of, you know, of, of past residents that are going to bleed through. But she was very proficient of kind of weeding through that and getting right to the heart of those situations. So I have a lot of love and respect for what Cindy does. Shane is, and, and KD on the show, Ghost of Devil's Perch, Shane yes. was our tech on the Holzer Files. They were both very proficient at knowing and understanding the technology so that when we knew what we were up against, they might know the best piece of technology to use in order to try to communicate. I thought funny that there were a lot of experiments you'd never get to see on these shows, and they would create these elaborate pieces of equipment that we would use, but we got no response, and, and it fell back on the audio recorder or a camera or the video camera that captured the evidence that really was compelling to us. So, you know, I just was working in wonder with these people because I didn't know what to expect next, and sometimes we might get something off of the equipment that put us on a path that helped us open up another element to this, or Cindy might open up another element to it. And then my strength as the lead investigator and having 18 years in kind of journalism and interviewing people was to dig a little deeper with the responders, with the experiencers, with the researchers and journalists that we invited on the show, trying to find a way to, to get questions and answers from them, make them comfortable enough to open up to me. And there were times that I had people that said, you know, I wasn't going to tell that part of the story, but the way you brought that up makes me realize it may be a lot more important than I thought. So we each had our strengths when it came to doing these shows and we all got to shine and that, you know, Cindy would step back and let me ask questions or deliver certain bits of information because she respected that I might get the best out of the client by saying that. And then I would stand back as she would go into the more spiritual element and the things that connected with the family and Shane and you know, Cindy and I would sit back and let Shane shine for what he was doing. And it just was very reciprocal. And I think that that's the beauty of doing a show 
like the Holzer Files and Ghosts of Devil's Perch, knowing your strengths, knowing the strengths of those that you select to uh, work with, and allowing everybody to flourish in those moments. Well, again, it comes back to, I guess you could call it intelligent utilization of available resources. You right. Work, you work with everything you have, not just what you have in front of you. Right. And that would seem to add a deeper level of credibility here. I mean, mm -hmm. I was watching one of your shows recently, and at the beginning of the shows you're coming in, that you had Cindy fairly isolated. <laughs> so so that she wouldn't pick up, as you said, all that background information, and it wouldn't muddle any reading that she had. Right. There were times <laughs> that we might fly her into Pennsylvania and then drive her two hours into New Jersey. So she didn't know where we were going. There was no way for her to prepare herself. Not that she was trying, but that just so we knew that there wasn't going to be any kind of contamination. And, and a good medium will tell you that they really don't want to know a lot of that information up front because they want to go in and let the spirit and the energy of the location speak for itself, not having them imply their own thoughts and, and impressions on something. And, and it is especially beneficial, I think, from a doubter standpoint, because a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, you read up on this ahead of time and then you're making this stuff up. Uh, a lot of people would say something like that if they're inclined to be negative about it. But if you eliminate those possibilities, then they don't have anything to say that about you can say, well, no, there was there was no pre-study period for this reading or anything of that nature. Right. Exactly. And and that was very cool. Now, you asked me before, and have I developed any sensitivity? And I believe I have to a degree. I mean, I'm certainly nowhere near the abilities of Chris Fleming or, uh, you know, Cindy Keza or Sari Lemos. But I, I can now go into places sometimes that I don't know are haunted and, you know, just I'm, I'm invited over to a friend's house or doing something and I'll walk in and I can, oh, oh, I, there's something here. And I don't say anything because I certainly don't want to upset people or bother them. But if they're like, dude, I got to ask you something, you know, um, we think we've been dealing with a haunting. We think we've got some something moving around in here. Then I feel more compelled to go, well, <laughs> it's interesting you say that because <laughs> yes. Yeah, as soon as I walked into your home, I really picked up on the sense. And I can't tell if it's male or woman. I can tell you it's a very strong presence. It's definitely interested in watching us. But I don't have the ability necessarily to see, hear, or witness those beings like a medium, somebody who's worked on it their whole life can do, well, you know, even, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because even media, the mediums that I've interviewed, for instance, people have the wrong idea. Okay. It's not like ghost walks up to you and say, hello, I'm Bob and I'm here to talk to this person here. It's never that clear cut. <laughs> it's more no. like, all right, you start to get impressions. And a lot of times it's like trying to tune a radio because you've, you've got so much cross static and everything else. Because if you walk into a place, then there's more than one entity in there. Of course, if it's available, you're going to pick up on it, even if there's one that's more dominant than the other. Agreed. Yeah. And, and that's interesting to me because I've not really been tapped into that element of who I am. I would say that that's really begun to flourish in the last two to three years. But again, I never try to usurp the moment. And there have been times when I, I've maybe been working with Cindy on a case and we're doing something and all of a sudden I'll, I'll go, oh, Cindy, I, there's something really 
very powerful and strong right behind me. And she's like, yes, that that's the man. He does not like that you're here and he doesn't like that you're questioning him. And she will confirm that or she'll tell me I'm not I'm not picking up anything. And actually, Shane and I had a couple of really weird experiences filming where like at the Oceanborn Mary house while we were there at one point, Cindy was like cut off like they were not presenting to her. But at the same time, Shane and I, our heads are spinning because something's running around us. We can feel it moving around us. We're responding and reacting in the same way. And, you know, Shane has certainly become much more sensitive. And if you watch his show that was on Netflix, 28 Days Haunted, he became very, very in tune to his location. And although they didn't show everything that happened to him, he was picking up on, he was having dreams about some of the murder victims. And he didn't know about the murder victims. And he was picking out, he was having nightmares of this woman kind of folded up underneath his bed and found out that, yes, in fact, one woman had been, I think, beaten so badly and crammed underneath the bed. And he didn't know. It, it really. That's a very really intense reaction to him. a horrific yeah. event. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it's another thing, too. Sometimes maybe a person decides they don't want to see things that they know would be bad or that they suspect would be bad. Right. And I, I think a lot of people not seeing or, or sensing any kind of spiritual energy is simply fear <laughs> because uh, it's, it's not normal. That's why they call it the paranormal. So a lot of people react poorly to that and mentally run from it, if not physically run from it. You know, you're right. And I, I say there's, you know, a lot of people have experiences that they don't even realize are paranormal until they stop. And they'll talk to me. And even hardened skeptics have said, ah, I don't believe in this nonsense and blah, 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 blah. Well, what do you make of this? And I'll answer a question. And all of a sudden they get this kind of quizzical look and they'll go, you know, I, 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 I still don't believe in ghosts, but that does bring to mind when I was a kid, I would constantly hear something moving around in my closet. And I just assumed that maybe it was, you know, squirrels under the house or a raccoon or something. But yes, it's interesting that so many people have had the same type of experience. I can't call it paranormal, Dave, but it certainly gives me more to consider. Well, that's true because the possibilities, as they say, are endless. I mean, sometimes a noise in the dark is just a house creaking, and other times it's not. So yeah, you really have to be circumspect, and you have to examine these things. And if you're sensitive, it would make it much easier to examine. Right. Right. You know, but sometimes... You know, maybe not everybody is supposed to be. I, I will say this, that the people that I know that are very sensitive, yes, it, it's, it's, I think to a degree it's messed up a lot of their lives because it's so overwhelming at times. Well, and I agree with that. I know a lot of mediums that self-medicated with drug or alcohol to try to quiet the voices. And, you know, so I don't know that it's necessarily a muscle everyone should work at. And, and, and that's not, not slamming people no. at all. But I, I often wonder if maybe, you know, everybody, oh, oh, everybody can do it, but maybe not everybody should because they're not going to be good at protection for themselves, guiding themselves. And, you know, maybe it's part of the journey, too, that so many of the people I know that are very sensitive have gone through some really dramatic, traumatic times, and it, it, they've come out on the other end, and they're better for it. Uh, you know, I, but I don't know. It's one of the chicken or the egg things. Would their life have been better had they not had 
that ability so prevalent? Right. And or it, would it, they not have been able to come out the other side if they didn't have that ability? Yeah, sometimes it's our struggles that right. refine us and, and make us stronger, better people. But on the other hand, like you said, perhaps it would have been better for some people to just not have to suffer. Because yeah. when you get into these things, and then this is an aside a little bit here, but when you get into these horrible things like addiction and things like that, you don't always recover from that. So, you Right. Know, yeah, exactly. So I can understand people shying away, especially uh, mm-hmm. I interviewed a, a lady recently, and she said that she started experiencing this when she was very young. And at the time that this was happening, everybody looked at her like she was crazy. So would you want everyone you spoke to thinking, oh, that's the crazy person that talks to dead people? So I can understand the hesitation and everything. Now, right. over the last 20-odd years, I won't hesitate to say popularity, but the acceptance of the paranormal has grown. Mm-hmm. So people are, are saying, well, yes, maybe that uh, the, these things are real. And one of the comparisons I make is that, and I've studied this thing since I was a child, always loved reading folklore, mythology, and things like that from different cultures around the world. Well, the ancient people believed in veils. Between There's a veil between the waking world and the dreaming world, between life and death and things of this nature, and sometimes you could cross over these veils. Well, with the advent of hard science, uh, people started thinking, well, no, no, these people are crazy. This is just superstition. Recently, however, <laughs> recently on a world scale, Science has discovered this this wonderful thing called quantum physics. <laughs> so they're starting to right. talk about the possibility of multiverses. Well, what is a multiversal mm-hmm. theory other than veils between dimensions? So we're, we're starting to accept that there may be something beyond our, our five senses to experience. And we are less inclined to belittle people who say they've experienced it. Yeah, and I'm sorry there's pauses. I'm, I'm fighting a cough, so I have to mute myself so I'm not blowing your eardrums out. So if don't you, worry about you get that, done speaking it. and I don't respond right away, don't <laughs> think you've lost me. I'm just trying not to cough my brains out. And of course, it's always perfectly timed to the minute you stop speaking. So, <laughs> Well, we've been trying to get this, this going over here for a couple of weeks and you've had issues with your voice and I probably sound now like Boris Karloff gargling gravel. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, so, whatever's going around is unfortunate. Well, you know, we met at Carefest, of course, and then right, I, right. I went to CryptidCon after that. It may just be a case of the infamous con crud and uh, numerous people. Exactly. Well, you can't shove yeah, thousands there's, of there's people different in. versions of that. But, but you know, I mean, I also have two high schoolers at two different high schools and two middle schoolers at, or I'm sorry, three high schoolers at three different high schools and a middle schooler at a different school. So our house has been a bacteria factory forever. So oh, add to that, absolutely. plus me being on the road 40 weekends this year, I'm constantly shaking hands, hugging people, saying hi. So I'm, I'm sure I've just brought home every disease known to man. And <laughs> once I finally relaxed and didn't have an event to get to, it all settled in and is kicking my butt right now. But well, <laughs> I'm still here, and that's a good sign. Well, that is a good sign. And uh, like I said, you muddle through, you do what you have to do. But uh, as long as people can understand what we're saying, we should be in good shape. Uh, I hope so. But uh, but anyway. My, my kids can't seem to understand what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> Well, they don't want to understand. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, my, yep. Mine's 26, and she's not understood a word I've said in the last 10 years. <laughs> Which isn't paranormal, but. I'm, I'm sure that resonates with anyone that's ever had a child or been a child. 
it's parent normal. Parent normal, yes. I, I will practically right. steal that and use it again. Thank you for giving me that term. <laughs> Feel free, yes. But uh, but back to the actual paranormal here. So you've had all these experiences, mm-hmm. and it's it's deepened your understanding of it. So it's, it's deepened my wonder. I can't say I've got a full understanding of it. I could tell you that I have some beliefs when it comes to certain things, but again, those beliefs are built on sand and they're constantly shifting. Uh, you know, when I started my journey 17 years ago with my first paranormal radio show, mm-hmm. I believed you die, out pops your ghost and it can choose to move on or it can stay here or it's confused and, and doesn't know that it's dead. And that was like the extent of my understanding of ghosts. Since then, I have grown exponentially in in my thought process and belief system. And I don't think that there is an easy compartmentalization for any aspect of the paranormal. You know, back in the day, poltergeist was not a ghost. Poltergeist was just PK psychokinetic activity, right? This kind of archaic, crazy activity of doors opening and shutting, chairs sliding, but nothing really intelligent or associated with ghosts. Then we start hearing that there are ghosts, but the question then comes, well, is this paranormal poltergeist agent, usually that preteen girl in the house or as we're finding now also menopausal women, you know, are they working as a battery, which is attracting spirits to them? So the activity is not ghostly, but the activity is drawing the paranormal in and they're feeding off that for a while, or did they always exist there? But now the element is there. The vibration is there. The battery is there, which is giving us opportunity to witness and see these things a little more clearly than we did before. So like, like that, there's no one answer to any element when it comes to the paranormal. And I think that's exciting. It's, it's cool to, you know, have those kind of questions and realize that every time I think I get a grasp on something, I realize I'm still not on solid ground and we have to keep pushing and, and reaching a little further. Well, I agree with that completely because I mean, as I said earlier, I've been studying this stuff since I was a child and it it all is constantly evolving because there's new information coming out. And as this new information comes about, you, you have to reassess what you thought you knew. And sometimes you, decide on a certain thing and and then it becomes static and and almost colorless because you figured it out right but when you get new information and you see a new aspect that oh wait a minute i didn't know everything and now i can delve into this and find more and make it interesting again and vibrant to me right and that's funny you know you mentioned it like that i do all of these uh public paranormal investigations these yes you know ghost hunts if you will and i was find it kind of funny because those of us that have been in this for a long time, somebody will come running to us and they're like, Oh my God, you've got to hear this EVP. It's unbelievable. And you play it back. And you know, the person's like, is there someone here? Yes. And they're so excited about that. Yes. And we're all just kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> Did they say anything else? And you forget what it was like to have that first awakening. So I try now to be a little bit more, like a parent watching a child have its first experience because you have excitement when that child has that first experience. And sometimes that energy brings them to learn quicker. So why not treat people that are having experiences 
the same way with love and respect. Well, absolutely. And and I think yeah. that serves you well because the last thing you want is to experience something. And then you see someone who is, I guess, an expert in the field. You run up and say, hey, I found this. And you expect them to say, oh, yeah, that, that's pretty good. And they say, nah. <laughs> and kind of shrug it off. It's like getting slapped by your teacher. I mean, it, it would be. And it may put them off, and it may keep them from uh, wanting to continue in the field. Right, and and you've got to have that. But, you know, it is funny. You become more jaded to these things, and it's like one one time we were in Virginia City, uh, Nevada, and Jeff Belanger and I were doing an investigation with people. Uh, it was a paid event, and we were hired monkeys to lead the investigation at the jail, and we were there for like six hours at night. Okay. And around hour five, we're just spent. So we're literally sitting on the floor and we're watching the two rows of jail cells, the, the lower level and the upper level. And people are walking around trying to communicate. And we're just exhausted from having been up and down those stairs 30 times and into the cells and out of the cells and, you know, chasing things. And as we sat there looking up, all of a sudden, very clearly, this full shadow person walked out of one of the cells on the top floor walked down two and went into another cell. And the two of us just slowly turned and looked at each other and we're like, did you just see that? <laughs> yeah. Do you think they saw it? No. And if we mention it now, nobody's going to believe us or they're going to be mad that we didn't say anything. Yeah, you're right. So we just kept it to ourselves. <laughs> right. But it's funny because, you know, there was a remarkable moment, but even after all we've seen and done, it was just like, a, huh, that's cool. It, was, it didn't have that same impact, and I hate that. That's why I love doing the Holzer Files and Ghost of Devil's Perch because it was different type of investigations with different type of people. And, you know, I, I take for granted that Cindy can hear and see these things all the time, and when we can capture what she's seeing and hearing, she freaks out in a good way. But it's so exciting because – She's like, I'm not nuts. See, it does exist. You saw it too. Exactly. And you know, we all have that moment of excitement. And it's giving her validation because yeah, I told you that was there. Right. Exactly. So speaking of evidence, what to you is, uh, is the gold standard of evidence and then backing down from that? Qualify the evidence a little bit if you don't mind. What is the gold standard? Um, well, First of all, pictures are really hard for me. Okay. And I say that because, and, and I've mentioned this for years, but you know, to give, give your listeners a, a clean, fresh perspective, when you have something you think is really remarkable and you want to show me that photograph, what you've done is given me one page of a novel, a mystery novel, and asked me to solve the whodunit. Exactly. So... I also said that it's like a, a thousand piece puzzle turned upside down and broken apart, throw the box away. So I can't see any images, then lift just one piece up from the middle and hand it to me and go, what is the entirety of this picture? Exactly. What That's all is in here? And you go, I don't know. I can tell you this is an eye and it looks like Thumper's eye from Bambi. So I'm going to guess this is a scene from Bambi. Uh, maybe the part where Thumper is standing on the log, thumping his leg laughing at Bambi, but I don't know because I don't have any of the other information that goes with it. And then people are like, well, what other information? I'm like, well, I don't know what was behind you. I don't know what time of day it was. I don't know where the sun was. I don't know where the moon was. I don't know where the lights in the room were. I don't know what could be causing this artifact that looks paranormal, yes. but 
had we had a 360 degree picture of the entire surrounding at that moment, I would have a better view of it. And some people get very frustrated, but I'm telling you it's not there. And I go, I understand. And then I send them a picture and, and I've done this. I send them this picture of this man and woman standing in church with this big orb glowing between them. Yes. And I go, what is that? And they'll look at it. And most of them that can see where the flaw is, right? Yes. But I crop the picture then and send it to them. And I say, what do you make of it now? Well, but you cropped it. You took it, right? You're taking an element out of this that I don't know. And, so and I'm taking this element out. So without that element, without seeing the stained glass window with the sun coming through it and hitting the blue part of that stained glass window, and you can see the, the lens flare. This is a refraction of that blue light. And it just so happens to land in between these two people. So that's what it is. It's not a ghost. It's blue light refracted and then giving this false perception of something in the room. So I can't always answer that question. So it's, it's hard. Now I've had, when we did the Holzer files, we caught, I thought some of the greatest evidence of spectral activity and people were more focused on my ring. They're like, dude, that V eight ring that you wore, <laughs> where did you get that? And I'm like, dude, you watched a ghost show where we caught a full on specter appear in front of you and go up a flight of stairs. And you want to know where I got my V eight ring. Cause if that's all you're worried about, we're doing the show wrong. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, Everybody has a different perspective of what is Holy Grail. I love EVP, okay. electronic voice phenomena. And when I can get direct voice responses, not just some innocuous, get out. Right. If, did I even hear get out or did somebody go with their nose farther away from me where I didn't hear that necessarily, but the recorder picked it up and it's in that same, I'm waiting for a response and we usually hear hello or get out as the response for EVP, right? Those are two of the most popular responses. Yes. So am I looking for that meter of get out, which was really more, you know, a sniff and a sigh that yeah. somebody didn't call out, you know, but when I get an EVP and I say, Raymond, thank you for having us here and for being, you know, seeing us, talking to us, communicating with us. And the answer is you're welcome. And it's that loud and clear that excites me because well, there's no to. other way around that, right? right That's right. really great. Could I have picked up stray radio frequency? Maybe, but man, what timing is that? Well, exactly. That I say yes. thank you and somehow a radio stray frequency just happens to say you're welcome at the exact same time I say thank you? That's crazy. If nothing else, you're an extremely lucky individual for that to have happened that way. And we know luck usually doesn't work that way. Yeah. I've picked yeah, up and, some and interesting. And that's it. But the Holy Grail evidence is, you know, I, I've gotten to the point, and I've had people ask me for years, well, what do you tell skeptics or non-believers? I don't tell them nothing. I tell a group, if I'm hired to come talk to you or I'm brought on a podcast like yours mm -hmm. and I talk, I just tell you my experience. I'm not here to win you over to the dark side. I'm not here to prove to you that the ghosts exist. What I'll do is tell you my story and hopefully it's compelling enough or my thoughts are interesting enough to make you consider it or examine it for yourself. And, and re, but I don't care if you believe me or not, 
The best evidence to me is sometimes when I have absolutely no equipment going and my buddy Jeff and I are sitting on the floor looking up and we both see a full-on shadow person walk out of a cell, look down at us, turn and walk into another cell completely silently. That was a great moment for me and for Jeff, even though we were exhausted. We would have to be. But I don't care if he saw it or not. I saw it. Jeff saw it. That was awesome. We know this. You know, so... That, that's kind of where it goes for me in the, in the, uh, what, what is the Holy grail? It's something different at every location and it's something different to every person, you know, whereas the EVP may really excite some of the people, other people want the physical interaction of, I've been to people doing table tipping and I've stood there watching, thinking they're, they're completely controlling that table and they have their hands on it, the two people leading it, and then four other people's hands on it. But I could tell those two people are leading it, and all of a sudden they both take their hands off of the table, and it continues to move and slide around the room, and I can't explain it. I love that moment. I love thinking I figured out the magic trick, and then the magician steps off stage and the rabbit starts pulling itself out of the hat. <laughs> Holy cow! That's See, awesome! And that is amazing, and that's... Yeah. That- I, I guess that is the Holy Grail there when you, you have that experience that you can't explain yep. any other way. Uh, exactly. Most of the time, people are predisposed to believe or disbelieve. And uh, evidence is, is, is kind of at a premium here, proof especially, because uh, proof that uh, you might consider to be conclusive, other people would consider to be inconclusive. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day... It, all, all you can really do is present the evidence, as you said earlier, and, and let people decide for themselves. Yeah, and that's all you can do is give them something exciting to chew on. And I, I love, I've been doing this for so long now. I love when I get emails from people that are not believers, but they really enjoy a good story. What? And they really enjoy hearing what freaks other people out. And I will tell you this, I don't believe half of what I hear, but yeah. it's not my job to believe. My job as a radio show host is to give you the chance to tell your story and I can take from it what I want. And if it's fascinating to me and it's so compelling that it makes me want to find other people that have had experiences like that. Awesome. But it's, it's never a thing where I feel that I have to now impose my will on all of you to either believe or disbelieve. And I love the fact that we all get that chance to hear things and make that decision for ourselves. And and leave it to that moment, you know, to that experience. Well, I, I agree completely. And, and if you're the, the type of person that insists on people always agreeing with you and doing exactly what you say and believing exactly what you believe, then you're limiting yourself and you're you're not doing anyone a service because that type of thing corrupts, I believe, ultimately. Right, right. And... That's why, again, in this field, be open, experience, listen, take from things what you enjoy from them. You know, it's I've had police, I've had military, I've had, you know, uh, politicians, people that have reached out to me telling me I don't believe in the paranormal, but I love the stories. And I love hearing why they believe these things exist. That's almost as fascinating to me as the phenomena itself is why do they believe that? Well, yes, because... I mean, I, and I've said this for years, and I've believed it for years. You can tell a lot about a culture by what makes them afraid. And the paranormal, the, the fear factor there, 
what is generating that? What, what are the causes? So these stories teach you about the culture, I believe. And they're fascinating. I mean, who doesn't right. love a good and, story? And you get to learn other people's belief systems and thoughts. And suddenly, all of a sudden, I hear from you know one of the, the, the indigenous tribe members about their theories on Bigfoot. And that, oh, that there's no mystery to that at all. They're another tribe. They're a cannibalistic tribe that we just avoid. Yes. We know they exist. We know what they are. And we just leave them alone. And... You're like, holy cow, that was so matter of fact. And just so, (laughs) yep, this is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. But uh, I think a lot of times that uh, we can be matter of fact. We can accept things as they are. I think subconsciously we do anyway. It's like uh, on a question of the paranormal, I asked a friend of mine who's a preacher. I said, so what do you think about the paranormal? He said, well, the company line is ghosts don't exist. He said, but let me tell you what happened to me. <laughs> so, so even though the hard line was, yeah, ghosts aren't real, he had, right. had an experience. And most, yeah. most people have. I mean, uh, I'm from eastern Kentucky, and everybody in eastern Kentucky has a ghost story. It's not like, did you see anything? It's what did you see and how many times? Yeah, exactly. And just the, the acceptance of it. And that's interesting and compelling too, right? When people just accept it. And, um, you know, there's that great piece of video with Stephen Colbert talking to President Obama that's circulating again on the social media. Yes. And he asks him about UFOs. And Obama says, I, I can't answer that. And he goes, well, you just did. Your <laughs> lack of an answer is an answer. Right. And Obama just kind of shrugs. And he goes, oh, my God, why, why are we not? You know, they've released this information the government's talking about the, what is happening, and it's it's interesting because we are in a new realm in our world where we're finding things out, and it's a lot faster than we ever used to, and yes. people are adjusting to it. So who knows? We may be 20 years off from them explaining that they do know that there is something after death. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned it in that way because we, we do live in the information age, okay? It's like I told my daughter years ago. I said, look, there is no privacy anymore. I said, if you want to tell somebody, you want to keep a secret, you lean over, you whisper it in someone's ear. Hopefully no one has a parabolic microphone, and then you kill them after you tell them. <laughs> so it's, I'm being flippant, not a proponent of killing people. But I use that in well, point. There's no way you can keep a secret. Right, right. The only way two people can keep a secret is if one of them is dead, and even then the ghosts still seem to flap their gums and talk, so you that, can't even put it on that anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's amazing. Uh, There's a lot of cool information coming out from many different uh, places. And I think we are uh, at a precipice in our world and in our lives where a lot of magic is about to be seen and witnessed by those that pay attention. If you can get your nose out of your phone and stop scrolling for a half an hour and pay attention to things, you know, I think you're about to see some really remarkable things take place. I would agree with that because the things I'm seeing lately, uh, things are coming to light that really were never in the darkness, but we were in blinders. I believe we've we've been hell-bent for several generations to shrink the size of our world to a palatable size. Well, now that world is expanding faster than we can get our hands around it to hold it down. So we will yeah. ha- we're going to have to learn to accept things that we once thought weren't real. Yeah. 
it's it's cool. Let's see where the next five to ten years take us. Right? That's absolutely. That's going to be telling, and and hopefully you and I will be there in five to ten years to revel in the fact that all the people that called us wackadoos and crazy <laughs> exactly. will now have to uh, bow to our our knowledge and that we are true experts in this field after all. Yes, damn it. Ex- exactly. Yes. <laughs> well. Is there any final thing that you'd like to add to cap off this conversation about your either your past experience or your future experience that you hope to have? You know, the uh, last thoughts I'll leave with you and your audience is this. Let go of the past. It doesn't serve you. But take what you've learned from the past and move forward with that knowledge and treat every day as a present that you get to open with gratitude because that will make the magic in your life come true. Be aware, be in the moment and enjoy the day because the future is not promised to us. So make the best out of what you have today. And then you don't have to worry about being a ghost that has unfinished business. And you don't have to worry about trying to communicate with a loved one that passed because you had unfinished business. If you tell people how much you love them and how much they mean to you, and you cut the people out of your lives that are bad for you, there'll never be confusion as to if people know where you stood, right? Or your confusion of where you stood with people. So I hope that in the interest and fascination with the paranormal, we don't get so wrapped up in death that we forget to live every day with reckless abandon and enjoy it. Because this has been an amazing journey, and I hope that it continues for another 30 years, at least for me and for you and your listeners. But I think that people have to be spatially aware of not just right now, but those moments in between, because that's where the magic takes place. Those are the moments when you see the shadow people come out of one cell and go into another. It's when you see the fleeting example of a large, hairy, bipedal creature walking across the street, because... You're not focused on any one thing, but you are in that moment. And it becomes very aware to you that there is something else around us than our consciousness normally picks up on. I think that's solid advice because we need to be prepared to see what there is to be seen. And don't, don't have any preconceived notions on how things are supposed to be. And if I could, you know, mention to your followers, I do host a live uh, video podcast Mondays and Wednesdays on YouTube. It's called The Paranormal 60. You can find it on the Paranormal 60 channel. If you can't watch it live, all the episodes live there. We're on almost 200 plus episodes, so you can go find it there. Or you can listen to the audio only versions by subscribing to The Paranormal 60 wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Mm-hmm. And If you want to get off the couch and get in the game and actually come out and investigate with me and see history unfold for yourself, go check out darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. That way you can see all the places I'm going to be and how you can join me. That's excellent that you said that because the next question was going to ask how people can reach out to you. Right. Um, Very cool. That's the best way to do it. Just find me through the Paranormal 60 podcast pages or follow me on my social media, Dave Schrader and David Schrader on Facebook. Both of them have a blue check mark, so I'm easy to find. I'm easy to find on on Twitter. I'm the Dave Schrader with a blue check mark. And over on Instagram, I'm just one of the millions of Instagram lovers over there. And I don't think I've got a blue check mark, but if you find me, you'll know it's me because I've been there for years and uh, try to post often 
Excellent. Well, we will definitely try to drive everybody your direction because I know I'm going to be following you. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you just walk in and you take care of business. You're not obnoxious. You're not sensationalist. You just, okay, let's do this and, and take care of what we get to take care of. I appreciate that. Well, let's not, let's not totally dismiss. I am a bit of a showboater. I am a showman. So, and being a storyteller, that's part of what you are in life. So I don't want people to get the misconception Oh no! because I do love a good show. So I, uh, I certainly do like to be the entertainer as well. Although everything you see on the TV shows and my interest and passion for this is exactly how these things went down. And uh, I hope you'll check out the, uh, on max, or on Discovery Plus, you can watch The Holzer Files, yes. H-O-L-Z-E-R, The Holzer Files, or Ghosts of Devil's Perch. You can also check out my shock doc, The Curse of Lizzie Borden. And uh, hopefully you'll see me popping in and around on uh, different uh, paranormal programs, having a good time. Well, that, that, that sounds great. Now everybody knows where to find you. And uh, hopefully you'll be doing this for quite some time. Because like I said, I really enjoy it. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you giving me a little time on your show. Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate you being on here. That would be the next thing I said. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest here and share your experience and uh, insights with uh, our listeners. My pleasure and happy holidays to all that listen to this show. And if it's past the holidays, that doesn't mean that you have to let go of that feeling. May every day feel like a holiday to you and may be filled with love and laughter. And thank you for having me on. Take care, everybody. You're very welcome. You take care, too. This is Charles Romans, and on behalf of myself and our guests, thank you for joining us on this walk through the shadows of legend. If you like what you heard, please follow us and visit our website at shadowsoflegend.com and support our Patreon page to help keep the content flowing. And if you would like to be a guest and share your own brush with a stranger paranormal, don't hesitate to email us and include a contact number. The strange and surreal, the normal and the paranormal are all aspects of the world in which we live. As you reflect upon the stories we have shared, keep in mind that the people sharing these stories are actual, real people just like us. Were the stories shared compelling enough to be given credibility, or should they be relegated to the deeper part of the shadows? But when determining this, it might be a good idea to keep an open mind, because when we look around, we might discover that our own world is less brightly lit than we once thought. Until next time, I'll be waiting for you in the shadows of legend.